You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 47. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelan Levin and Pontus Spökman. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Well, the sun is getting away from us. <laughs> I mean, back from the summertime. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, now it's the dark ages. It's the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, when you get out of work and, and it's already dark, that's uh, very uh, disappointing. De- depressing. Depressing. Yeah. Well, especially up north, right? Yeah, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How are you guys? Apart from the, the the dark. Good. I'm very well. We have had our darkness lit up by the Pope earlier this week. What? The oh, I, I'd say I'd say the other way around. Your darkness became darker. Oh, well, maybe he's from the Middle Ages. Frankie boy, he was here mm. um, on Monday. Mm. And the local humanists uh, made a little uh, protest, which I think was pretty funny. They, uh, they <laughs> put up uh, ten theses on the door of the cathedral uh, just like Martin Luther did (laughs) (laughs) asking for uh, they were asking for some reform of the of the Catholic Church asking for Mm. equality for women and LBTQ persons and and things like that and um, I think that was pretty funny oh here in Brighton you know what happened a couple of days ago there is a huge, a large pole going up to the sky. It's a lookout. It's called I-360, um, built by the British Airways. And none other than the Duke of Edinburgh was here a couple of days ago <laughs> to inaugurate that. All right. So, yeah. Take that. You got the Pope. We got the Duke <laughs> of Edinburgh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Did you protest? No. No, no thesis on the door. No. I was at work, so I didn't. Ah, okay. <laughs> anyway, the only the only reaction we we would have gotten from him was that fucking immigrant, <laughs> go home. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't think it would have suited. Yeah, soon we're gonna be up in London, right, Chilana? We are indeed. Aha, uh-huh, not me. I I mean, you are now. Seriously, <laughs> seriously suspicious conference. Oh, yeah. With Dr. Chris French. With whom we'll have an interview released very, very soon. Mm. That's actually the episode after this one, episode 48. But uh, a lot has happened since we've covered news and events from Europe because we skipped one of these uh, so-called regular uh, episodes with the regular segment. And uh, a lot, a lot, a lot has happened. One of those... On the weekend of the 22nd and the 23rd of October, do you know what happened? Uh, no. no. Uh, 23rd? Oh, October? Yes, of course. So, s- silly me, silly me. Of course of I the know. 23rd of the 10th month, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Homeopathy uh, suicide attempt. Yeah. Five years after the great international 1023 homeopathy, nothing in it, global challenge which was a blast and it it had a massive effect on how we dealt with homeopathy as skeptics. But then uh, Slovakian and Czech skeptics came up with the idea a couple of months ago of actually doing it again. And they pulled it off. 
very nicely, apparently. On the show notes, we're going to link to um, a report uh, written up by um, Tom from the Slovakian Skeptics, who was kind of the initiator of, of this uh, thing. And just the numbers themselves, they are worth mentioning. Uh, what he, he wrote was that in the Czech Republic, there were three venues, around 90 people uh, overdosed in Prague, around 15 people in Brno, and three people in Ostrava. And then in Slovakia, in Bratislava, uh, the capital, there were 77 people overdosing. In Germany, in Hamburg, there were 50 people, 15 people in Berlin, and then in Austria, around nine people. Any casualties? Uh, not that I know of. Oh, good. So, that would, yeah. That could easily backfire if, if that happened. Yeah, like, uh, do you remember the one uh, that happened in the Uni- United States hmm. just recently? When 10, 10 children died? Mm-hmm. Because of uh, taking uh, homeopathic remedies for for teething, hmm. is that because yeah. they contained uh, active ingredients of some sort? Surely. Yeah, actually, belladonna. It was uh, belladonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that's, so it wasn't actually homeopathic. No, it wasn't yeah. at all. Because homeopathy is just dilution; it's water. But uh, belladonna is a known um, uh, drug that that can can be very poisonous. Yeah, it can. And normally, if very if poisonous. Everything goes well and the process, the production of the homeopathic product goes well. And according to the teachings of homeopathy, then it shouldn't contain anything. Hmm. But then during the production, there was something that went wrong. And uh, it's now being investigated by the FDA. So I was a bit worried when I, I was trying to support our fellow skeptics in in uh, Germany, Austria, the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yeah. Because uh, it could happen anytime with anyone. And this is one of the reasons why homeopathic remedies should be taken very, very seriously, not to be taken at all. Yeah. Oh, by the way, homeopathy. Another thing happened in the beginning of October. That's the release of Edzard Ernst's new book. Mm. Mm, I have missed that. Yeah. It's uh, Homeopathy, the Undiluted Facts. Ah, interesting. I've missed this. Good name as always. Yeah. Mm. According to Amazon, it was released on the 5th of October. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. Yeah. And especially because it's it's including a a comprehensive A to Z Z lexicon as well. So that means I'm expecting to learn a lot about homeopathy from this book. So I do recommend it to everyone to read it even though I haven't read it before. But we've read a few books by um, Edzard Ernst, so I think we know what to expect. Should be very good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just just one more thing to mention. An- another book that uh, I will not be able to read because it's in German, but um, it was uh, promoted by uh, Pei. And I think the title translates... Little Susie Doesn't Believe Everything, and it's a children's book. Ah, nice. Yeah, and it's promoted like, as like a skeptical... It, yeah. yeah, it's a skeptical children's book. How good is that? Yeah. We need more of these, definitely. Skeptical children's books. Let's skept- translate it. Skeptical children's fairy tales. All sorts of things. Yeah, first it would be nice to read it, but uh, I I do take seriously what uh, the GVP guys, our fellow German skeptics, mm. recommend. Mm-hmm. But uh, But still, it must be great. So if uh, someone has an idea of um, writing a book in English about that or in any other languages, mm-hmm. go for it. 
There are lots of children's books and and there are uh, terrible ones on the shelves of, uh, of bookstores. So this is a must to have. Do you remember us talking about uh, the golden board offered by Givioupe? Yes. Golden now that we board. talked about Givioupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Das Goldenes Brett. <laughs> P- pardon my German. It's good, <laughs> good, my good, French, attempt, yeah. good attempt there. So um, we talked about who the nominees were. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it could be anticipated. But uh, the winner was Rike Gerd Hammer, inventor of Germanic New Medicine. Ah. A very well-known quack, um, uh-huh. who, even though his uh, license uh, as a, a GP was revoked, he still practiced. And, uh, well, that led to terrible cases. Another, I think it's a blog called Zentrum der Gesundheit health center that was awarded as well so this 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 was the event that happened in two venues at the same time in uh, hamburg and in uh, vienna mm. so that's great congratulations rika gerhammer mm. was he happy was that... i don't know we don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah presumably happy yeah so i think that's that's a lot of things to cover and we've skip those for a while but uh we're back on track now that means that if we are all ready then uh we should actually start the show absolutely let's do this yes (laughs) and as usual we'll start the show with a segment called on this day presented by yellow levin On the 7th of November, 1867, Marie Sklodowska-Curie was born. Mm-hmm. Yay! And I hope that majority of our listeners will know full well who she was. She has won two Nobel Prizes. She was a um, Polish and then naturalized French uh, physicist and chemist who conducted pioneering research on radioactivity. She was the only women, woman to uh, win two prizes, and she was the first woman to win Nobel Prize. Um, and she was also the first to become professor at the University of Paris. And then also the first woman to become, uh, to be entombed on her own merits in the Pantheon in Paris. So th- there's a lot of firsts for her. And um, her research, of course, was absolutely groundbreaking for science. Um, and uh, her and her husband did a lot for, for, the, for the scientific uh, world. Um, but I just want to mention a couple of interesting facts about her that maybe not everybody is aware. So um, she had pretty rough life. It wasn't easy for her. Um, uh, her family was quite poor. And actually, um, she was uh, one of the five children bo- born to a well-known teacher. And while her father was an atheist, her mother was a devout Catholic. But when Marie was nine years old, her, her oldest sibling died of typhus. And two years later, she lost her mother to tuberculosis. And these incidents made Marie give up Catholicism and she became an agnostic. So that's kind of, you know, a little bit of an insight on who she kind of was and what made her who she, who she was at the time. Another thing that I don't, well, I didn't certainly know about, uh, when she was awarded a Nobel Prize, she didn't accept the money so she didn't want to profit from it and she uh, distributed the money to um, uh, different universities um, and research facilities and she wanted the science to benefit from her prize and she did that with the second prize as well so she was very very selfless 
in her scientific pursuits. She, she didn't see it as the way to earn money. She, she, she just had enough to survive and that's what she, she, she cared about. Um, and of course, um, the one of the saddest facts was that after discovering radioactivity, and I'm sure this is one of the most, most well-known facts, was that um, she at the end died from exposure to, to radioactive uh, waves. And at the time, she didn't have any idea that that's what damage it does to the bodies. But of course... She learned it the hard way. Yeah, yeah. And she paved the way. And actually, by, by, by dying, <laughs> in a way, she saved many other lives. Um, and, and people, you know, and, and scientists uh, did a lot of research into it. And, and it, it then became a great um, tool in, in the scientific world. So I have a lot of respect and admiration uh, for Marie Curie, um, as I'm sure many people do. And uh, I'm really excited that she was born on the 7th of November, <laughs> the day that we have as on this day. <laughs> so there you go. Which is very cool. Yep. Like I, I could talk about her for hours, but I didn't want to go yeah. on for too much. And uh, I think there is a lot of information out there about her. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's all available and, and people, you should really read it if you haven't so far. Because it's fascinating the way and the approach to science, how how she she went on yeah. uh, with her discoveries. Yeah. It's just amazing, mind-blowing. I think it was like pure selfless just need to know and discover new things and just be yeah and very rigorous as well yeah, so indeed yeah and 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 how there were just moments of chance uh like like how um radioactivity was was discovered in the first place it's it was it was amazing but it's a very interesting fact that the she's definitely the number one female scientist who comes to mind yeah when when you want to name one yeah yeah absolutely and european yay, yay! <laughs> <laughs> now and again when i research for the on this day segment i come across um yeah a prominent female figure in science and skepticism but but um the, the american figure and uh, not so much uh, European, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, the European Union and the European Research Council actually um, mm -hmm. holds it um, at very high esteem because uh, their grant program and uh, lots of research uh, funding is coming through a program called Marie Curie and now it's called Marie Slodowska Curie which is a name change after a couple of years yes and lots of scientists have the opportunity to go and visit other scientific institutions in other countries across Europe thanks to this program this this large-scale program of scientific discovery and uh, science funding which is great okay Thank you, Yelena. Thank you. This has been great. My pleasure. Yeah. So, shall we move on to discussing what's coming next week in terms of events across Europe? Because it's exciting. Of course we shall. I think we certainly should. We're going to start with the 7th of November, Monday. Um, there are going to be a few events in England. First one is in Glasgow. Glasgow Skeptics Visit Café Scientifique. Yeah. Go and join them in Glasgow. And it's not the first time for them to do that. Um, and then there will be an event in Camden in London with Liz Ladgendorf. You are what you read. 
Question mark. You are what you read? Are you what you read? I think she was the one who, with James O'Malley, started the Skeptic Camp in Manchester. Ah, could be, yes. Yep. Could yep. be. Ah, yeah. Good, yeah, well, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. We'll love Skeptic yeah, yeah. Camp. Okay, just wanted to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the third event on the same day, uh, 7th of November, is in Maidstone. Skeptics in the pub with Jim Killock. Um, and they're going to be talking about how much surveillance is acceptable in democracy. There is nothing on Tuesday the 8th, as we know of, but then it's very busy on Wednesday the 9th. We can start with Würzburg in Germany. The Würzburg Regional Group have something they call the Agnostic Scale. We have also in Birmingham, we have our friend Dave Olnick, who was performing so well at the QED, Magician. He will do his Mind Wizard show in Birmingham. And um, and then in Essex, we have Kat Arney uh, doing her talk about herding Hemingway's cats. Good one. Good one yeah. And on the same day, um, Germany will have another skeptics meeting, which is the Stuttgart skeptics meeting. Uh, whereas in Newcastle, skeptics in the pub, Robin Touch will talk about North Korea beyond the Potumkin illusion. I think we've talked about that talk before, so we he have. he he must be uh, definitely yeah yeah yeah. Touring I remember the Potumkin thing. Yeah, and Burnmouth skeptics uh, will host a talk as well with Jonathan M S Pierce. The title is "How Violent Is Islam Really?" Mm. That is an interesting one. So I I would love wow. to go along and 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 listen to that. Because mm. that's a very important topic these days. Indeed. Um, Thursday, the 10th of November, we've got only one event in our calendar. And it's going to be in Portsmouth, Skeptics in the Pub with Cleo Belenis. Um, and the topic is the philosophy of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, the 11th, I would like to visit the Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. <yeah. laughs> Don't we all? Because, because they will have a Skeptics in the Pub talk about Carl Sagan, a, car- a candle in the dark. Oh, I want to be there too. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Okay. But I will be there. Uh, the at uh, the the next event on Saturday the twelfth of um, November. It's unbelievable that we are in November already, because that event will be the twenty second annual uh, Hungarian Skeptics Conference. Twenty second. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Just saying. Sounds impressive indeed. I think, with the exception of about three or four. Definitely the, the 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 first one. I missed the first one, but from the second one onwards, I was almost every year at the conference. So I'm I'm old, but uh, I'm gonna give a talk actually oh. at this conference about skeptical activism and uh, that we need to do stuff instead of just talking about them. It's interesting saying that since uh, we are now just talking. Not doing much more, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, some some might argue arguably say we're doing stuff by doing the podcast. Uh, yeah, so okay. but I'm I'm gonna be there in another role as well because I'm gonna be mm-hmm. interviewing someone on stage, mm-hmm. and that person is I think I've talked already about him. He's one of the greatest fighters of skepticism these days in Hungary. He's he's a, a university professor teaching uh, medical biology and 
he's fighting against homeopathy and all sorts of quackery. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing him oh, on stage. That's uh, happening in in my hometown, which is called Székesfehérvár. Basically, that's it. At least that's what we know about for the next week. And uh, I still want to encourage everyone, as we usually do, um, to let us know if you have any kind of events. Because if you don't find your event among the ones we talked about, that means we haven't found it. We usually do our research. We try to do our homework every time. But uh, we are just humans. So if you let us know, then we're sure as hell we'll know about it. You can get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. You can also tweet us. Uh, our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. You can uh, complete a contact form on our website, and the website is theesp.eu. Uh, or you can like us on Facebook. And also, if you feel like it, you can leave us a nice comment um, and a nice star rating on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. Please do. But we have other things to talk about. Let's move on to what's hot in Europe. I want to talk about another um, quack cancer cure um, that... uh, is on sale in some of the shops, unfortunately, in England. This piece of news was brought to our attention by Fiona O'Leary, who we thank, and she is running Artistic Rights Together um, campaign. And also, I think she's kind of generally just fighting all things quackery, but concentrating on on the the artistic um, rights issue. So there is a a, um, so-called cancer cure... um, and it's called GCMAF, a very fancy name, and it's a blood product. It's actually made out of blood. Um, it's made out of blood, white cells, not not red. So I, when I was researching for for the um, uh, this episode, uh, I looked it up, and the um, actual medicine is actually see through. So it's like like water, and um, there is no scientific proof that this blood product works. Um, it's um there was a whole investigation into the health food shop in Bournemouth that that sold it um and this investigation was conducted by the BBC recently it's um as far as i can see it's a dangerous drug um and if you go on to cancer research uk page uh, it says that it's you know the scientifically the claims to cure drug uh, cancer are scientifically extremely dubious that it, nobody should be taking it um and i think there are some claims that few people died from taking this drug in the past coincidentally this drug is extremely expensive you you apparently sign up for um at least six month course six months to 12 months course and a month's worth of supply costs 600 pounds um and uh when investigation took place in this shop uh, the person they spoke to was saying that, well, we haven't seen any side effects. You know, uh, patients don't complain about uh, any side effects. And this one old lady died from cancer, but I think she didn't spend enough money on it. She should have just spent more. Well, yeah, as if that's an answer to all the questions. And I guess um, for the quack doctors who claim to cure cancer, mm. that's exactly what they're after, more money. You know, the ones that 
uh, die, they don't come back to complain. So this drug is being distributed by Amanda Marie Jewell, who fled the authorities, and she's now like uh, based in Mexico, but she does um, send this drug over to, to England for, for patients. Um, she... I think at some point pretended to be a doctor, but um, actually when she was interviewed by the BBC on Skype, um, she was wearing a, a lab coat. She admitted that she doesn't have a medical degree. And when she was asked why is she selling this drug to people and telling people that it cures cancer, she blatantly said that uh, she's the last hope that these patients have, the modern medicine doesn't work, and uh, the usual uh, palaver about conspiracy and big pharma. Yeah. And uh, she didn't see anything wrong with that statement. She's, she's not qualified to, to sell, cure people from anything. She's not a doctor. Um... So fairly delusional and very dangerous person, in my opinion. So at this point, um, this drug has been confiscated, but I think um, it still finds its ways to the shops. Um, and um, we need to be mindful about it. And BBC obviously raised the profile uh, of this drug and hopefully uh, people will listen and uh, you know take a note that it's a very dangerous cure. Uh, well, Cure in inverted commas, I'm, I'm saying. I'm more like a snake oil. But the, the reason why Fiona brought it to our attention was because now uh, this drug, the GCMAF, is also marketed um, at the parents of autistic children. So they now claim that it also cures autism as well as cancer. Um, yeah, just stay vigilant. If, if you look, if you hear about a new drug, you know, by all means, there, there probably will be new drugs uh, for various cancers coming up, but make sure that the research is done properly, um, blind stu double blind studies, etc., published in the peer reviewed papers. Um, now, I have done a little bit more digging just to see where the whole thing started, and it started actually in 2008 by a Japanese doctor who has done some experiments with blood cells and he discovered something, but he's never conducted proper experiments and proper rigorous studies to go anywhere. So he's published in some scientific papers and those studies were retracted later on. And um, it's all kind of was very messy and then got picked up by the uh, uh, cancer quacks uh, and used, obviously, because they can go, oh, look at this paper that was later retracted, but nobody will spend enough time to investigate the matter. So there might be potential, but because people don't give it time and don't invest enough maybe um, effort into understanding what you know th that potential is it becomes this dangerous hmm. you know thing that then yeah. kills people yeah. basically uh, but there you go that's, yeah. that's what he discovered something all right he discovered a way to make money huh or he didn't make the money he, it, somebody else did yeah, I, I'm not sure if, if he per se made money. I'm not actually sure what his um, uh, faith, fate was, um, whether he actually became rich out of it. Um, but he's definitely yeah. kind of started it. So, And I can see how anybody who thinks, oh, you know, cancer cure and then all this. And it was an easy product. So, blood, you know, it's, it's a blood product. They, nobody knows where this blood coming from to begin with. You know, so it can be anybody's blood. It might not even be human's blood. Um, and it obviously was easy enough to manufacture or pretend to manufacture it so that some somebody like, you know, Quarks can get on the this yeah. uh, bandwagon. 
very dangerous mm. stuff. And it's very important. Uh, what uh, Fiona is doing is heroic. Mm. She's going through quite a lot of crap at the moment. And she's she's fighting battles on several fronts, actually. And uh, she was harassed by the, that Hungarian quack as well. By the way, that very uh, news outlet that came out with the first article about, about that guy after we approached them with it, with the topic, they've written a follow-up and... It's an amazing piece of work. I would like to I would like to mention the name. Uh, it's index.hu, and the guy's name who actually wrote the articles, uh, named Joel Tanula. Uh, but now that I'm I'm mentioning the Hungarian guy, another Hungarian cancer quack is in the news uh, lately. But the the good thing about it is that it's because he's in court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't know if you've noticed, but. Um, Whenever we, as skeptics, try to uh, gain some attention, it's very difficult. We we often experience a great deal of of, of difficulties getting getting airtime on on different media channels uh, with our critical views. Uh, whereas somehow those quacks really manage to promote themselves. Now this guy, I'd like to talk about, uh, has had its fair share of media hype. And in the last couple of years, and all the m- major media channels in Hungary, left and right, ga- uh, have have given him a pl- platform to promote his his bogus claims, specifically targeting cancer cancer patients. Uh, the guy's name is, or at least how he likes to call himself, is Professor Tomas David, uh, and he's a bit of an authority figure in the eyes of many elderly people, and especially can- cancer patients in Hungary. When the Hungarian Competition Authority, a couple of years ago, issued a fine of about 110,000 euros uh, against him for propagating false claims. Um, he played the nationalist card and uh, got not only detention but also the support of the Hungarian far-right party, Jobbik. Because they were they were trying to to um, communicate it as as the hero who yeah. saves Hungarian lives. I might be a, a cancer quack, but at least I'm a Hungarian cancer quack, so you should support me. Yeah, oh, fantastic. And I'm I'm curing Hungarian people, uh-huh. Hungarian uh-huh. souls. Yeah. And uh, basically, his false claims were that his special herbal tea mix cured cancer, um, as it is usually the case. He didn't have any evidence to back back up those claims, actually. So uh, he got fined. He claimed that his products were legal, and Hungarian authorities even recommended it. While it couldn't have been further from the truth, actually, they they weren't even listed as legally accepted food supplements, let alone drugs. So that was the the basis of this story. But now he's finally being dragged to court. Interestingly enough, the charge is quackery. Who <laughs> <laughs> would have thought? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, it gets really interesting because he has treated many cancer patients with his uh, vitamin cocktails as well and with his herbal tea mix. And uh, the vitamin cocktails were administered as injections. But... He had no authority to give those in- injections, so he actually employed nurses to do that. And why he had no authority to do it is he's not even a medical doctor. Well, he's a, a veterinarian surgeon. Uh. 
at least by training, because he got his uh, degree in 1964. Wow. So that was a long time How ago. How old is this guy? Huh. I think it's uh, he's, he's in the 70s, probably. Uh-huh. There is only one thing to be concerned about when we talk about this. Um, we don't know this for sure, that it's him. Because Hungarian courts are not allowed to release the full name of the defendant until there is a court ruling. But Tomás D. Uh, and the circumstances v- check out very, very nicely. So it's, it's, it would be a, a huge coincidence if, if it was not the same person, including the place where it was uh, brought to court being his city of residence, while uh, he actually practiced his quack quackery in Budapest. So I think we can be quite confident that it's the same person. And given the fact that he's been quite a superstar on several television channels in Hungary, uh, one of those channels featured him more than 600 times. Uh, which is which is absolutely crazy. Uh, so it's it's a good thing if it's actually really him uh, being dragged to court. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to the end of this case. Uh, we've been watching him for a while. I mean the Hungarian Skeptic Society. Um, well, and Istvan Vago, who who used to be a president of the Hungarian Skeptic Society and one of the well, best known skeptics around uh, Hungary, has even dedicated a chapter of his skeptical book to this guy. So. Really looking forward to what yeah. comes of hope, it. Yeah, hope they really get him. Yeah, yeah. I have another uh, news item concerning uh, Fiona O'Leary. So she's really on fire at the moment. Uh, mm. Listeners may have heard of uh, a so-called church named the Genesis Two Church. That, that's Roman numeral two, uh, and that, that that's a church that was founded in the U.S. with by a guy called uh, Jim Humble. Uh, in order to sell MMS. And MMS, that stands for the Miracle Mineral Solution. I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of this. And this is yeah. this is basically bleach, uh, chlorine, which you, you, uh, you mix it yourself with some acid, and then you, you uh, take it against any kind of uh, disease, if you believe uh, what they say in the church. And it's quite apparent that they... They founded a church, or he founded a church, just because it's much easier to get away with with this now, uh, then. So uh, they call it now um, their uh, sacrament. It's not a medicine; it's a sacrament. Come on. Yeah. So th- <laughs> this is this is big. It's not just in the U.S. That's why I'm talking about it. It's it's all over the world, and he has his bishops out there in the world uh, promoting this stuff in in the guise of of a religion. And now there is a guy in uh, Ireland who has uh, been uh, convicted by the Irish authorities. His name is Bishop Patrick Merlehan, I think that's how you pronounce that. He's been convicted uh, based on the work that Fiona O'Leary and uh, uh, Autistic Rights Together have done there. Uh, He's been convicted for two charges of manufacturing and supplying MMS. So that's very good news. He didn't get a big punishment, I think. He was fined 4,000 euros, but I think this it's very important anyway that the, what they found was that this was illegal and uh, hopefully this will stop him from continuing and hopefully this is the beginning of, of, of taking this down. 
Really hope so. Mm-hmm. You know, MMS, I'm, I'm not a, a chemophobic person because I love chemistry. I love chemicals when I know them. I know what they are for. But, but when you think about, just think about MMS, it's just awful. It's, it's scary. It's that, that the, the idea of that being put in children's bodies is <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right there put in their bodies because it's not easy to get them to to drink this so very often they administer this as an enema yeah and uh, and this is you know it, <sighs> terrible t- really terrible, it is terrible child abuse yeah it is terrible so uh, yeah let's let's talk about something a bit more fun i can talk about something a bit more fun so this this guy's from finland uh there's a game makers called psyan Science games, I'm assuming, um, and they uh, say that it have they chosen a high-profile anti-hero figure um, for a game, and they hope uh, it will help teach kids how to differentiate facts from fiction, especially when it comes to pseudoscience about issues like climate change. Awesome. In, and it's a game. Um, I don't know actually what it's called. I think it's Trump versus Science. Actually, um, kids learn to <laughs> critique. A, a, an epic battle. Yeah, uh, ki- ki- kids learn to critique some of the claims tweeted by Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. I think it's absolutely genius. Um, and the basic idea of the game, based developed by uh, Javaskila based. I have no idea. JavaScript-based game studio, silent games, is to hurl proje- projectiles, books, the globe, energy-efficient light bulbs, at some of the tweets Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump has used to counter scientific arguments. Um, according to the chief executive Oli Rundgren, the game is a well-intentioned attempt to help youngsters develop the art of critical thinking. I mean, what a brilliant way to turn this whole thing around. Hmm. Yeah. Um, basically, they're saying that the president uh, of the United States is the most influential person in the world. And if he utters statements that strongly contradict science, then that's very worrying, he noted. And I would absolutely agree with, with, uh, with Oli. And uh, he said that the game encourages people, young and old, to adapt a critical approach and to discuss contradictions in global politics and science. Apart from addressing Trump's very strident views on global warming, the game also highlights his opinions on vaccines and energy-efficient light bulbs. Um, It was released during the summer, and so far, players have shot down the Republican White House hopeful statements more than three million times. So there we go. Um, it's a funny game. Um, and as we know, there's power in satire. And uh, it's teaching kids critical thinking, which I, know, I think is absolutely brilliant. And um, even though this company is fairly small, I wish them all the best. And I hope it will grow. This game might, you know, become big enough to not just be uh, Finland based, but uh, maybe Europe based and then. Well, America really needs that kind of game, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely before the 8th of November. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> but uh, there is another very uh, nice way of educating the public, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, do you know the magazine called Focus? Uh, I, I haven't. I haven't heard. I, I don't know if it exists in uh, in Swedish, probably. It, it definitely exists in Germany and in Italy. And it's it's a very um high profile magazine and Cicup, the the italian uh, skeptical organization uh, got a, a whole article explaining how they conducted a very nice um experiment to test a telepath 
and they explained uh, the, the test itself and I think when you do that actually they devoted their time and energy to conduct the, the experiment uh, two people were involved Massimo Polidoro and Luigi Garlaschelli they are the, the two probably best known skeptics in Italy or, or outside of Italy among Italian skeptics as well so what they did was um, they um, sat down with these uh, with a, a woman and uh, her daughter who claimed that they can perform telepathic um, exchange of information between them and what they did do you know what um, a zener card is a zener card Mm-mm. do you know what that is no um when is it like tarot cards no 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 those are uh, five different symbols oh with the squiggly lines and the cross yeah and the yes exactly and, yeah, 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 and the, okay. the star shaped thing and yes exactly sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. so and and those are the ones uh, mostly used in experiments conducted uh, for ex- extrasensory perception ESP, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. <laughs> or great podcast. Clairvoyance. Yeah, great podcast. <laughs> okay, so uh, Polidoro and Galaschelli, um, they conducted this experiment. And uh, first of all, they, they went for uh, 25 runs. And out of 25 runs, at the beginning, when there was only a, a, a very low screen that separated them from from one another they were set neck uh, in front of one another they could guess what card was drawn 24 out of 27 times wow they obviously they couldn't see the cards themselves but the theory is that they could easily communicate among themselves but when they started elevating this uh, this screen uh, that that hid the actual cards from from uh, the the uh, person sitting in front of you, then the scores started to get very very low, so they went down to seven out of twenty five, <laughs> and even lower than that. So uh, it was a very interesting, a very simple experiment, a very interesting one at that. And uh, when it when they started to use normal uh, play cards. Uh, then it got even worse than that because because it, it was even much more difficult and uh, they uh, theorized um, that when you're squeaking with a, with a, with a chair and you're moving around you're just um, uh, being very fidgety then then that could be a sign as well so as long as you can see the other person it's still a way of uh, communicating those those signs so it's a very interesting one and it made it to ma- a major news a news outlet being that focus magazine and it's a it's a nice article so this is something that that i do recommend to everyone uh, across europe to do with uh, your own uh, country's similar kinds of uh, platforms mm. very good so of course we talked to simon singh uh, last week uh, on our interview and uh, we talked about how he liked maths so uh, it's not surprising then that the Good Thinking Society has a new initiative uh, out, which is, they, they say it's their first math, maths project, and they will take an American high school maths challenge, and it has now been opened for UK students. And uh, uh, Simon Singh has done this together with Matt Parker, who was our uh, very... Uh, good MC at the QED. He has a background as a math yeah. uh, teacher and uh, 
is very interested in math as well. They have been working closely with American Mathematical Society to enable the UK students to play along uh, in this uh, competition in, as a parallel competition and uh, with the chance of winning prizes for themselves and for their schools. And they've had a, a lot of response and uh, they, uh, if you go further and you win, you could actually uh, go on to compete uh, in the final in America. So uh, very well done. Very interesting. Mm, good one. Interesting ideas. Lots of interesting things to talk about. And uh, go Fiona. Yeah. And go Good Thinking Society. And Cheek Up. And well, I should say the Hungarian Skeptic Society as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think we have um, something else um, to, to share with you, dear listeners. So I think it's time for us to move on to our short interviews that we recorded as a kind of a report from QED. We have a couple of those to share with you again. Hey, this is QED. Saturday night entertainment is over. And uh, we have lots of people in the room just talking to one another. And let's see, who do we have here? I'm Ryan. Um, <laughs> And I am lost for words, but I'm a lost for words. Um, I'm a listener of the uh, I'm a listener of the ESP. That's good. And yeah, I listen every week uh, and really enjoy it. I think it's a wonderful project to to connect skeptics across Europe. And uh, great to have met all of the presenters here at, at QED. Have you been to other QEDs before? No, this is my first one. Uh, absolutely, um, my first Skeptic Conference at all. Uh, and uh, what connection do you have to scepticism in general? <laughs> I'm a member of the Eastbourne Skeptics uh, down in East Sussex uh, in England. And, um, I, and then I'm also a member of the Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia team. So it's good to meet you in person, Andres. Oh. Uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> Uh, having uh, been a member for this time. There are lots of members here. Um, you, young lady, <laughs> you are a member of Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia as well, right? Yes, I'm Valkyria. I used to live in Mexico, now I'm living in the UK. But yeah, I'm also part of the ESO so <laughs> Good. Good to have you here. So, uh, yeah, enjoy your evenings. Thank you. We are. We will. <laughs> So, yeah, pe people are leaving the, the rooms and, and the, pl the place is becoming absolutely empty very soon. But we are still here with uh, Andreas. Uh, would you mind telling us where, where you're from and, uh, yeah, something about yourself? Yeah, Andreas Kriako from Switzerland. Um, I'm president of the Freethinkers of Switzerland, um, but also the organizer of the Denkfest, which is sort of a mix of skeptic and uh, non-believer event um, and as being someone who sometimes is on the organizer's side I can say I'm deeply impressed by the QED team they're doing a, a really good job um, and I myself enjoy being here without having to ha take any responsibility for anything <laughs> but this was not your first time to attend QED was it? No, it was my third one and uh, what kind of uh, events are, are you put it, putting up uh, when it comes to that? The Denkfest will be 
November 2nd to 5th, uh, 2017. So uh, it will be a, uh, an intense autumn with Wroclaw in September, QED again in October 17, and the Denkfest in November 17. So the, um, skeptics who like to do conference hopping, they, they should be having a good time. Wonderful. That that really sounds like a, a promising, promising autumn. Um, and uh, where are you heading now? Dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you sticking around for a while? Yep. And then. Um, Actually, next weekend, or this coming weekend, there's uh, an event um, in London called Battle of Ideas with several thousand participants um, and up to nine parallel sessions with debates on all sorts of topics. Um, I'm glad I've got a few days to um, relax and (laughs) recover now, but um, I'm going for another weekend of conferencing. Wow, that sounds impressive. Uh, Well, then I wish you all the best and uh, hope to uh, meet you again very soon at some of the the upcoming Skeptical events. Rotzlaff the latest, I would say. um, You're going to play a big role, I guess. Yeah, Uh, definitely see you there then. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, thanks. Okay, QED is about to come to its end because uh, we are right um, before the, the the last talk of the of the event, uh, and I'm sitting uh, standing here with uh, Vlad Luca from Romania. Welcome. Thank you. Is this your first QED? It's my first skeptical conference ever. How do you like it? How did you like it? This was amazing. It's everything I was hoping for and more. It's amazing just to meet people that kind of went through what you're going through and see learn more about who they are behind the skeptical title you know learning how they got there and it's just it's awesome that is wonderful and uh, i'm not going to ask if you listen to uh, if you listen to the european skeptics podcast because i know for a fact that you do you even contacted us uh, are you in contact with uh, um, uh, other skeptics in uh, romania uh, actually, I just want to say that it was the ESP that actually brought me to QED. It was the route I took to bring here, so thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm not in, currently in communication with skeptics, but I hope that I'll be able to find them soon. Oh, that's that's a big wink-wink towards uh, the, the Romanian skeptics. Um, and uh, if there is uh, another QED next year, are you coming back? Definitely, Yeah. What about the European Skeptics Congress uh, in 2017? I'm thinking about it. I probably will join. There's still some way to go there, but probably will join. Well, that sounds good. It's been lovely to, to, to meet you here, uh, finally in person as well. And since the talk is about to start, I think uh, this is it. Uh, thank you very much, Vlad. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yep. I think it's about time for Pontus to let us know who's been really wrong lately in Europe. Yes, it's been a while because we've had uh, the QED special in between and we only do this every second episode. So it's been a while, but now we're back. And this really wrong uh, was sent uh, to us by listener Adam in Poland. Do you remember him, guys? Yeah, of course. He was the one who sent, sent us the picture of the monthly exorcist uh, after we did the segment on exorcism in Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the one with Al Pacino. Al Pacino and next to, next to Al Pacino there was uh, Pope Francis, yeah. Here we have the Pope again, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the prize today goes to the, the, to the Polish ruling party called Law and Justice. Nice name for a party, I guess. Yeah. But if you have to point it out, then, then there's something suspicious. Anyway, 
Law and Justice was formed quite recently in 2001 by the twins Lech and Jaroslav Kaczynski. Mm -hmm. You may have seen them in the news, etc. And you may have heard also in 2010, Lech Kaczynski was killed in a plane crash. Uh, uh, The party actually spread a conspiracy theory after that, saying that the plane crashed because of artificial fog being produced by the Russians. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, on October 15, the uh, Law and Justice organized uh, for Parliament to have a special meeting to discuss climate change. So that sounds scientific enough, right? <laughs> uh, but the name of the meeting was Sustainable Development in Light of the Encyclical Laudato Si. Now, that may be a little bit strange, the last part. That you, Do you know what an uh, encyclical is? From, is it's a papal de- decoratum kind of thing. You're, you're on the right track. It's a letter. Yeah. It's official letter uh, ordered by the Pope. And the Pope did this in, in uh, 2005 because he wanted to express his concern about climate change. So, of course, law, law and order decided that that's what we're going to base our, our uh, meeting on. So, so why why bring in anybody who actually knows something about climate change? Let's bring the, in the highest authority we know. It's the Pope. <laughs> so I haven't been able to see what the results were from the conference because it's all in, in Polish and it's hard for me to research. But I know that they were off to a good start because the first point of the agenda was called what does it mean that God is the creator of the world? So that's how they want to start this uh, climate change debate. So this brilliant idea apparently was the brainchild of the Minister of Environment, a certain Jan Shushku. I think that's how you pronounce it. Jan Shushku. He is a creationist and he has earlier called for an investigation of chemtrails. Okay. So it's funny how those, uh, how different woo always seems to go together. Uh, so he organized the whole thing and he needed somebody to organize it with. So he chose... Cardinal uh, Gerhard Müller. Uh, he is the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith of the Vatican. Oh, that's my and, favorite authority. <laughs> yeah. So this is for people who don't know. This is used. This is what used to be the Inquisition. Yeah. But it was transformed, and they renamed it a little bit. And and for a while, for a long time, I think, Ratzinger, the previous pope, the one who resigned, he was uh, uh, the prefect for 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 that so you bring in the prefect from the former inquisition and you put together a a conference with a budget of a hundred thousand euro to solve the climate change i'm sure they did a good job but if they did not the law and justice party has another card up its sleeve uh, something that i've tried before and this was back in 2006 when they called they just come to power and they called for a prayer for rain in the parliament and arranged it as well. So if they can do that and they can make it rain a lot, maybe that would cool the planet down, don't you think? Well, that's the way to go, yeah. Definitely. It's th- it's undoubtable. I think they know exactly what they're doing. So today's prize for being really wrong goes to the ruling Law and Justice Party of Poland and especially the Minister of Environment, Mr. Jan Szyszko. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crazy when you when you try to base uh, politics on faith it, 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 it doesn't work you know but actually what religions are for 
is basically controlling, manipulating the mass, huge masses of people. So it's absolutely understandable when it it's totally interweaved with politics. It's it's just politics itself. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, politicians can be followed religiously. <laughs> That's the other thing. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Thank you very much, Pontus. Mm-hmm. What we also have here is uh, two very nice guys we interviewed uh, not long before QED. So it's time to release that interview with uh, Edinburgh Skeptics. From time to time, we interview people representing an organization or project either from a certain European country or stretching across borders. Today we're talking to Mark Pentler and Sean Slater from Edinburgh Skeptics. Mark is the producer of the Edinburgh Skeptics podcast, as well as chair of the organization behind it, while Sean is vice chair of this very active group. They were also on the organizing committee of Skeptics on the Fringe in Edinburgh this summer. Mark and Sean, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Guys, we, we don't hear very often about about you. We do know that uh, Edinburgh Skeptics are a very active group. Uh, but um, would you mind um, telling us about how you got involved in the works of uh, Edinburgh Skeptics? Um, let's, start with, uh, let's start with Mark and then with uh, uh, follow up with Sean. Okay, uh, well, I got involved with Edinburgh Skeptics after my wife and I moved up here about two and a half years ago. Uh, we used to live in England and we were regulars with Merseyside Skeptics and uh, used to do various things for them. And uh, thanks to the QED conference, we met all of the people from Edinburgh Skeptics before we even moved here. So it was nice to have a, a base of friends that uh, we could, uh, you know, join, uh, join straight away. And uh, so just volunteering with them, really, and doing podcast and tech for them. And then uh, was asked to be chair this year. Mm, cool. What about you, Sean? Um, well, I've been involved in the group for about 18 months now. Um, originally, I, I kind of been involved in the periphery of skepticism. Uh, listening to podcasts, reading books, and kind of class myself as a skeptic. Um, and I went to QED about three years ago. And, uh, yeah, three years ago now, and met a couple of the guys from Edinburgh Skeptics. And that's how I got more and more involved. And eventually I got asked to be on the committee. Um, and this year I've been asked to be vice chair, which I'm quite proud of. Congratulations to both both of you. Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And Sean, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, judging by the the way you speak, uh, you are originally from uh, Scotland, right? Yes, I was born and raised in Edinburgh, um, although I lived in London for about 20 years. Uh, moved back to Scotland about 15 years ago, uh, although I live f- quite far out the city, so I don't get to as many events, uh, perhaps, as Mark and the rest of the committee do. But I think they're fairly understanding about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sean, maybe you could tell us about the the Fringe, uh, the Edinburgh Fringe, and what it is and and how the Skeptics came up to be involved with that. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, the Edinburgh Skeptics as a group has been going since uh, 2009. I think that's right, Mark, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. Uh, uh, The Fringe, um, for people who are not aware, basically Edinburgh puts on a massive arts festival every year. Um, They claim it, and I'm pretty sure it's true, as the world's largest arts festival. There are something like 15 or 16 different festivals, uh, film, literature, uh, you know, music, uh, dance, you name it, they do it. And when it first started out, it was a little bit snobbish. There was a little bit of uh, 
um, we only want highbrow culture. And this is back in the 1940s, not long after the Second World War. Um, and what happened, the fringe kind of grew up by artists who wanted to put on shows in Edinburgh, but weren't part of the official uh, programme. They were on the fringe, so to speak. And that fringe has now grown and grown and grown over the last 50 to 70 years. And now it's absolutely massive. Edinburgh essentially doubles in population in August because of the amount of people that come to shows. Every bar, every pub, every hall puts on something. You, you can go into a room with like six people um, and watch a show and then an hour later go to another room with another ten people and watch a different show. You'll see comedians, so many comedians that are famous in the English language have, have started off in, in Edinburgh. Um, so we wanted to be part of it. Um, so we decided, well, how, how can scepticism get involved in this thing which is uh, really, really critical for our city? So Skeptics on the Fringe seemed like an, an actual progression, so we started putting on events, um, and we've now put on 23 separate events over 23 consecutive nights. You can imagine logistically for many Skeptics in the pub, which will put on one event or two events a month, it's quite hard going. As I said, we put 23 events on consecutively over in one month, plus all the other stuff that we do as well. So logistically, it can be quite tiring, quite stressful, but we get so much out of it, and we get fantastic feedback and, and fantastic uh, reviews. We've had four-star reviews, uh, which is really good going. We've had uh, some fantastic performers, fantastic speakers, and it's now an integral part of the free fringe, because many uh, acts will charge you, whereas we're part of what's called the PBH free fringe. So we don't charge. Uh, we get the room for free, and we get the uh, and we would just contribute as part of the PBH with a kind of group of different performers, comedians, musicians, all working together to put on free shows for the people of Edinburgh and the visitors that we have. Uh, so, Mark, could, could you tell us this year's sort of fringe highlights um, for for the group for the Edinburgh Skeptics? And for you personally, if you remember any uh, extraordinary events. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, we were really lucky this year. Um, our outgoing chair, Ewan Leeming, uh, should be uh, giving huge praise for his work this year on putting a fringe programme that was uh, very interesting and very uh, wide-ranging in its scope and lots of different topics uh, different topics covered. We had um, Michael Marshall came to talk to us about uh, his uh, efforts in activism. We had uh, David Nutt, who is my personal sceptical hero, um, drugs advisor for the government until he was fired for essentially telling the truth and uh, even through to uh, subjects such as North Korea and um, whether some of the myths about how the country is uh, run and how it operates are true. So um, we have to be mindful of the fact that during the fringe we might not be talking to a completely sceptical audience. Uh, we're effectively targeting the public more than our own regulars it could be argued. So sometimes we kind of dial back the scepticism a little bit and maybe go for something that's straight science uh, but we always try and, and get people thinking and try and uh, certainly promote scepticism during the events and uh, try and make people go home maybe having learned something and maybe uh, thinking a little bit differently as well. So, um, yeah, it was in incredibly exciting this year and I think it was probably our, the best year uh, ever, certainly uh, of the, the years that I've been here, which is three now. Um, personal favourite? Um, well, I think, Sean, I think I'm probably going to say uh, Devil's Advocate because that was just uh, an, an absolute farce from beginning <laughs> to end. A beautiful farce, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, De Devil's Advocate. One of the things you do in Edinburgh um, to promote your show is you flyer or you get a 
you know, a printed flyer and you basically hand it out to the crowds outside mm-hmm. and you try and have a tagline. So you try and get people's attention, get talking to them. Uh, so our, our, our tagline for Devil's Advocate was, it's like QI, but shit. but it worked it really got people talking and we we had another event where we were it was a psychology i was the lecture i can't remember the actual event but ewan came up with shouting free psychology people coming to to say oh that sounds interesting and come to see it (laughs) free sociology show oh no sociology not psychology you're right sociology sorry (laughs) i i was thinking about it i can't remember when it was oh yeah yesterday at um, sorry, I've attended a conference in, in London and there was a talk on. The talk was titled, I am now going to prescribe you LSD. And it was fascinating because I, I've never heard a talk that would be titled that on a, conf- on a public conference where everybody's got access to. And it got packed. It was really, really busy. But actually, it didn't live up to the name. But then I was thinking about it and I thought, well, it's, it's so much about the how we advertise ourselves and how we promote ourselves. And I think skeptics and science have to get better at it and to attract more people. So it was so it's quite great that you you using the right sort of tools to do that as well. <laughs> Well, I think what, what if it's okay, what I might do is um, send you uh, um, a PDF of the flyers that we're handing out. Yeah. Um, it's just Definitely. one flyer, but it really went well, and you can put it on the website. People can have a look and sure. see, if, see if they find it interesting. Sounds cool. good. That would be great. You must be you must be looking ahead already, and uh, do, do you have uh, plans formulating for next year about um, Skeptics on the Fringe? Well, I think uh, we, we need to kind of uh, sit down and, and have a talk about what we're going to do for the new year. We have um, a, an exciting event coming in December. We're doing a, an open mic uh, kind of thing where we're inviting our regulars to, to come and do 10-minute slots about anything they want to do with skepticism, so that's pretty fun. But we also have uh, the side festival in edinburgh coming up as well so we need to pick uh what we're going to do for that as well so there's all these uh kind of uh, things that we're always looking ahead to and always planning for and uh you know it's it's never a quiet time for us unfortunately so uh <laughs> yeah we'll uh, we'll be thinking of uh themes for various uh different programs of events and uh, which maybe individual or maybe a team of committee members are going to be primarily working on those things. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, perhaps a little too early yet, but I think uh, after this year's success, I think we have to build on that and uh, try and do some really exciting things this year, so uh, next year. So we're, we're really looking forward to it. But you are doing a lot of other outreach as well, except for Skeptics on the Fringe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, Sean. Yes, we do. Uh, we do a regular monthly talks, which I think like most groups do. But once a month, we'll have a speaker come in and do um, a talk. We're actually really lucky in Edinburgh. We have three fantastic universities, colleges in the central belt of Scotland. We have uh, you know some six or seven different universities. Some of them are the you know the oldest and uh, certainly the oldest in the UK outside at Oxford and Cambridge. Um, so we have great speakers to choose from. We also, I actually started in Edinburgh Skeptics by putting on cinema nights. So we put on movie nights where we'll present a movie and have um, a talk just before it on a kind of tangentially related subject. So this week we actually showed the classic sci-fi film Silent Running. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's a brilliant film. Um, and it's about 
uh, it's kind of set in, a, in, a, in the future where the spaceships with domes on it where the last vestiges of the, the Earth's um, flora live. Um, so we had a talk beforehand by a guy who worked in Edinburgh University talking about how we preserve plants today, how we preserve them. Um, and that went really well. We have um, uh, regular social events, which Mark and his wife Heather organise. They're the first Tuesday of uh, every month. Ah, right, okay. Um, yeah, we've got that. Um, we also, as Mark mentioned earlier, the Science Festival. The Science Festival is kind of mini-fringe, where we put eight events on of, over a fortnight. Um, so that we've got really need to get cracking on that. But that's in, <laughs> I think, March or April, I think, next year. Um, the Science Festival is another festival that Edinburgh puts on. Uh, it's quite a big event across the city uh, promoting science. So we get quite involved in that. And we've also got... Um, an event coming up actually just after QED. I don't know if you guys know, I presume you do at QED, that uh, the podcasters from Cognitive Dissonance and God Awful Movies are coming to QED. Yes, mm. yeah, I'm just yep. looking actually at the QED uh, speakers list, <laughs> funny enough. And yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, well, we, we've managed to persuade them to come to Scotland. So Glasgow, Brian mm. Eggles, Glasgow Skeptics, and myself, we've been liaising with them and they're coming up to Scotland to do a couple of nights, one in Glasgow, one in Edinburgh as well. Uh, so we've got that coming up, and it's on the 17th and 18th of October. So we, we keep ourselves busy. We keep regularly very busy. We're one of the most active groups, I think, and maybe in the UK. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but... Well, it sounds uh, like it, certainly. Yeah, it's a, it's a busy time. <laughs> and uh, where can people find out more about your activities and get in contact with you, get involved, maybe? Uh, we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you search for Edinburgh Skeptics, uh, our main website is www.edinburghskeptics.co.uk, and uh, obviously there's the podcast as well, uh, which you can download from there or from iTunes. And uh, I, uh, I, I, please, please listen to our show. We have lots and lots of past events that uh, may be interesting for people, and maybe uh, some of the groups that listen to your podcast. If you're looking for speaker ideas, maybe, and you want to maybe see what somebody uh, is like and what kind of stuff they do um i've actually had someone tell me that was a good resource uh, just listening back to previous speakers on the podcast so uh yeah we, we've got a, a few different uh things that we do and uh it'd be great if people uh checked us out excellent cool well i f- think this uh wraps up our interview um with uh mark pentler and sean slater from edinburgh skeptics guys thank you very much for um agreeing to do this on a sunday afternoon um <laughs> that's very <laughs> kind of you <laughs> that's very much appreciated and hope to see you around uh qed probably definitely definitely absolutely yeah to. maybe we can return the favor and we can interview you guys um, absolutely i'm pretty sure we're up to that uh, up for that uh, just <laughs> indeed yeah yeah sounds good perfect so thank you very much again and uh goodbye for now take care thank you bye-bye Thanks. goodbye now bye-bye I think it's about time to to close the show. I I do understand this has been a bit longer one uh, compared to the 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 most recent ones, but uh, I hope uh, our listeners all enjoyed it. And uh, obviously, the only way, the best way, to finish the show is a quote. Uh, the quote today is from a Greek philosopher Aristotle. Um, And he said, 
It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting yeah. it. Very good. Yeah. I, I, Very deep. I always find it so fascinating that where where you, we have people who are, have been dead for almost three thousand years, yeah, and they can and they can still bring something uh very clever to to your mind here yeah they can educate you still yeah yeah that's fascinating yeah it is fascinating so thank you aristotle and thank you yelena and thank you very much pontus thanks guys thank you this has been fun as always and until next time goodbye bye goodbye This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Presented by Yelena Levin. That will be moi, myself, <laughs> and I. And I. You can get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is Jelena. <laughs> <laughs> That's yours. Yeah. No, we're That's all yours. Jelena. We're all Jelena. <laughs> Yes. Oh, come on, get a grip. They were also on the organizing committee of Skeptics on the Fridge. (laughs) On the Fridge. Not really. (laughs) Skeptics on the Fridge. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, try again. If Trump wins, I'm off to moon. (laughs) Yeah, we all are Mars or moon somewhere. Um. (laughs)